You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two, episode number 12. We're calling this one, Pakoda Hates the Cubs. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews Rich Biesterfeld and John Antonoff. And if you've seen any of the pictures or videos from Cub players in Mesa, chances are these guys took it. Now Crawley gets the vibe of what's been going on at Sloan Park. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, you've seen their images and videos splashed all over social media. They are the eyes and ears of Sloan Park, the kings of the backfields, Rich Beasterfield and John Antonoff. How are you doing, gentlemen? Doing well. Excellent. I got to ask, and I was talking to Rich before, I see long sleeves on Rich and he's in Arizona. What is going on with the weather, Rich? What, What is happening over there? Well, it was nice on Sunday, and then all the media descended on Monday. So I don't know if they brought the Chicago weather with them or what the problem is. But uh, it's supposed to, I think, start warming up, I think, by the weekend again. So, But it's been chilly the last couple of days. And, and John, you know, by the time I get there, I mean, I don't, I mean, sun's out, guns out, man. I want no shirt on. So I don't want to see any of this 50, 60 degrees garbage. I want 85 and sunny. You know, there was actually, uh, Rich, you know the name of the mountain ranges, but there was snow on the mountains today, I noticed, yep. on a few of the ranges. It was uh, it was pretty cold yesterday, and obviously it's colder the higher you go as well. So, well, the, re- the reason I wanted to have you guys on is that it is, you guys are, are literally like kind of the eyes and ears for everybody out in Arizona. It's your pictures, it's your videos that everybody kind of retweets, or sometimes they don't do that, sometimes they just take it, but... You know, you were the guys that are around Sloan Park taking pictures and videos. Um, let's start with Rich. Rich, how long have you been doing this for? Um, probably more seriously since about 2018. Um, left my my corporate job, um, was able to retire early, and so then kind of got involved, and then really heavily probably since about 2020. Nice. And what about you, John? How long have you been out there? Uh, you know, I came out for spring training in 2000, I think, I met Tim Sheridan, if you know Boys of Spring, the PA announcer. And so I kind of happened to run into him, I think it was 2010. And I was just, I just moved here and and I didn't know who he was, but he had the same camera as I did. So I thought he might know how to uh, have the focus track. And he told me what he does. And so I asked him if he needed somebody to, told me about his website. I asked him if he wanted someone to take pictures for it during the games. And that's what got me into the games, got me my free lunch. and, And so I've been doing it. Uh, sending him photos and then I got more serious like when Javi and uh, Sean Dunson Jr., Trevor Gretzky and all those guys were stuck around extended spring training. I'm like, uh, I had a lot of fun following the Cubs then, uh, the minor league, the extended team, and that's when I got into it uh, pretty hardcore for the Cubs. Now, I'm, I'm glad you bring up extended because extended spring training because the Cubs opened Sloan Park in 2014. They come from Ho-Ho Cam and they move over to Sloan Park. But I think maybe people don't realize that these facilities aren't just for spring training. They are real, literally the hub for the Cubs right there. They're used year-round. And so when uh, when would you say that you started noticing players really start to show up in Mesa, Rich? When did you see them? A, a lot of guys never really left, honestly. Um, because like this past offseason and the one before, I think they called the high-performance camp. Um, more select, so it isn't a, it isn't everybody, but a lot of the, a lot of the top prospects have been, have spent the winter out here in the first, first few months, I think are more strength and conditioning. And then you start to see them usually back out on the field around early January. 
So, you know, since January, we've been seeing guys and, and even like after Cody Bellinger signed, then he seen him around the park a lot. Like Nico Horner has been around most of the winter. Yeah, when I talked to Ben Brown, we had him on the show. He said he he just couldn't believe that these guys are basically that that that, that complex is available year round, and you know, for a lot of these guys, it's a great opportunity to really kind of push themselves to have the coaches there. Uh, John, when you see the players come and and they kind of you know, how many of these guys do you say notice you right away and hey, John, just like an old friend, kind of hanging out again? Um, a lot of them now, like. Uh... Pretty much all of them. I just got back into the facility for the first time today. So a lot of these people are looking at me because I'm like, oh, I used to be credentialed. And and uh, so they saw me in there. Some of the guys are like, what are you doing in here? I go, dude, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, But, you know, once the lockdown happened, Rich and I were always around here shooting the minor leaguers. I, I felt even like during the lockdown, I mean, I felt like the players are going to get traded off like Bryant Rizzo and, and, and uh, KB. And, and once they got all these prospects and in return, there was no one here to document it. Everything was closed down. And I had a, a video camera that I was using for my own workouts. And um, I decided to bring it out here and see what we can get. And it, it was really challenging, you know, shooting from outside the facility through holes in the chain link fences where they got the green screens you know, we'd actually use like a set uh, speculum technique. Just I'd stick rocks in there and then we'd literally squat down and take these photos. And And the players came up to us like in the 2020 ritual, remember this? And they said, hey, thank you guys so much. Even the coaches are like, the players really appreciate what you're doing. And it was super challenging. It's been like that for a couple of years, you know, but it, it, it's still addictive to go out and do that um, as challenging as it is. John, I have a great picture. I think it was from 2020. You're in a mask, but you're still catching and shagging fly balls out there. It was, it was a, it was a great picture. Yeah, yeah. You were. I'll send it to you. I'll send you the picture, man. But you were pretty. You had some pretty good glove work, man. You're watching the balls go over the fence. I didn't know how you could do it. Looking through the green screen, and all of a sudden, the ball's coming, and you're ready making the catch. You know, I I had to be careful because some of the coaches thought I was ball hawking, and I would throw back. I've thrown back probably close to 800 to a thousand balls. I was estimated around 600, but I thought about it. There's days I'd throw back 50 baseballs. And so it's like one of the coaches was like, Oh, how many balls did you get today? I go, none. I go, look at the ones that are just over the fence here. I think, where do you think these came from? You know? <laughs> so it was like, when you hang around, you get to know these ball hawks and the graphers and, and they're full of information. Um, but I didn't want to be associated with it too much because they have a bad reputation too. And so when the coaches would see you, it's like, oh, dude, it's like the reason I'm here is because this is the only place we can get photos from, you know, the pit in between field one and two yeah. on field two. You can get some great shots, even if you're locked out. That's the best of the six fields to get good shots on. And, and a lot of the major leaguers were there this past month. So it was, it was kind of rewarding for us. And Rich, I saw you wrote a great article for Northside Bound about kind of, you know, about the players. And it was something personal. And you could tell that you had a personal connection with a lot of these guys. Yeah, that was it was a lot of fun to do. Um, reaching out and just, you know, some of the stories just really touching. And um, for me, I think it humanizes a lot of these guys. It's it's so easy to forget when you see a lot of the players on TV or, or MILB TV that this is still a guy who's, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, a lot of them are, you know, maybe some a little bit older, but, um, you know, I think it was Moises Ballesteros, you know, talked about being able to buy his parents a home, um, you know, and 
forget exactly what, what country he's from, but I'm, I'm assuming, you know, they didn't have a lot growing up. So to be able to do that, and it was Daniel Palencia giving equipment uh, to one of his young cousins and, and the little kid was just like jumping up for joy. And just seeing that, that uh, them being able to give back was really cool. It is, it is interesting when you, again, you get to know these guys and, and humanize them. And, 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 I, and, and I was sitting there interviewing James Triantos and it just clicked into my head. He's the same age as my son. I'm like, really? <laughs> like I, I still think I'm 21, but somehow the years have kind of passed by. So I'm going to put some of these photos up that you guys have taken. Uh, some of the first players that I saw coming back in January, you guys were taking some pictures. It looked like they were doing some, what, uh, guys that were coming back from more serious injuries. Uh, is that something that you usually see early on in January as guys coming back, showing some of the rehab stuff? I think yeah, I got a, lot of, a lot of them there were, yeah. It was like Ed Howard. Um, I think that was that same day. So I'm throwing a little bit. He was also actually taking ground balls. That was the first time I had seen him doing that, which was, which was a great sight. Um, Cause he had a pretty serious injury last year. Now the one guy, and, and I don't know, John, if you've seen him as well, Kyle Hendricks, this is a guy that we're used to being a bulldog, always being out there and seeing him gone last year and hearing he may not come back till May, June, who knows? Have you seen him at all? And, and has he been throwing? Have you seen him doing any work, John? Yeah, he was out there stretching today with the pitchers, uh, going through the you know the squats, the leapfrogs, all the all the stretches they do. And then I went somewhere else. I didn't. I thought he was done. But uh, when I went down to the minor league, the quads, uh, one of the graphers said that he was out there throwing long toss on one of the fields. And so I'm like, bro, you got to call me and let me know. Thank <laughs> you, know, you for this info. Um, so I'm going to look for him tomorrow to see if he's out there throwing. Usually they have a, a, a pattern, so he might be out there about the same time. Now, you guys kind of talked about it. You know, when all those players got traded, the core of Javi and KB and, and Riz and all those guys, all of a sudden, you know, there really wasn't much going on at the major league level. So the minor leaguers and the prospects, they've really begun, been the big story, especially last season, three out of the four affiliates going into the postseason. You saw it at Cubs convention where they they basically gave the, like, last slot to the prospects which they used to shove in the back on sunday so it's just been unbelievable um but you've seen these guys come up uh let, let's start with you john which of the players that you look at are you do you feel like wow that guy is just so impressive i can he is a different type of talent than i've usually seen oh man you know i i tend to look at the i tend to kind of look at the position players when i and see stuff from them like pitchers. I can't really tell when they're warming up and throwing there's guys, a lot of pitchers. I don't even see play like uh, take Jordan Wicks. He was supposed to make his debut and we talked to the coaches and they said that he was going to make his debut at the ACL. And then they moved him up to what was it? South bend. And he made his debut there. So I never even seen him pitch. First time I saw him was like last, I mean, against competition was live BP last spring. So the pitchers, I don't get to see as much the position players. It's kind of easy when you see someone, read a route and just start flying and make a catch. You're like, dude, this guy's fast, or this guy's got a quick bat, or you can see he takes good pitches or, you know, you can see that I can see the technique, but with pitchers, it's, it's hard for me to determine how good they are when you're just watching them warm up on, on flat ground, you know, so but got, you can see, go ahead. I was going to say, I got a picture up right now of, of uh, that you took of the Cubs, literally their top three prospects from left to right. And you got Pete Crow Armstrong, Brennan Davis, and Kevin Alcantara. I mean, you know, gosh, when you when you take a look, one of them's drafted, two of them through the trades of those core players. 
uh, that they got. But but that is just, you know, a group that you got to figure, you know, when you look at those three, I keep saying to myself, I, two of those three guys have got to be up here, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, they have, I mean, it's like every, every fan from every different team always looks at their prospects and thinks, look at these guys. And, and we think about their potential, but it seems like now it's like, even though you know they're not all going to make it, you still feel like they are because you watch the talent and there's just so much. I mean, I don't know how many are going to stay with the team. How many outfielders, how much like they're just loaded, you know? Right. I, I wish they would. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm done. My voice no, went up pretty high. I'm on. Go ahead. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely like 100%. But that, that's the good thing is that like, I just remember back in the days where the Cubs would have like one great prospect and you didn't hear of anybody else. And then as you guys know, not all these guys are going to make it. They're not all going to pan out, but it was like, okay, the big hope is Josh Bitters. And then that kind of, you know, fell away or the, you know, some, but you know, just, but now it's like, I mean, I think about Braylon Marquez and, and Miguel Amaya guys that you guys have shot pictures of. And it's like, those guys used to be the top and look at how quickly they've moved down that list. So it's kind of like, it's really great to keep infusing the system with talent. Um, obviously some of the big names that have been coming out, it has been uh, obviously PCA and Matt Mervis. Rich, when, when you, when you see a guy like PCA, and I know you also saw him at uh, South Bend, I believe, right? Um, the weekend I was down there, he ended up, he was banged up and didn't play oh. that weekend. So I didn't get to see him there, but uh, I watched him a lot during spring training last year. I mean, what stands out with a guy like PCA that's a little bit different than say other players that you see? Um, the, I think I put it in a tweet uh, earlier this week where there's, there's not a lot of guys that I typically think of that you just want to watch play defense, but he's one just, um, just he, he's quick. He runs such good routes. He anticipates so well. And um, just watching him, it's, you know, sometimes there's that fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I think he, he, he straddles that line really well because he's very confident in his own abilities without coming across as, you know, somebody that, oh, gosh, I, I don't like this guy. Um, <laughs> just when, when you get a chance to talk to him, he's just he's a, he's a really good kid. And um, I can see big things out of this guy. He's he's special. Now, now, John, you were you had an amazing video of it was Kevin Alcantara, and and it, and everybody was commenting about the hop, the Sammy hop, yeah. right, the Sammy Sosa hop, and somebody said. So I said I retweeted your stuff, and I said, "Man, this kid, you know, he could really crack it." Something like I made maybe made a Sosa comment, and somebody said, "Oh, he's got the Sosa hop too." And I said, "Well, if he can produce Sosa home run levels." I'm absolutely fine with that. When you watch that guy through the camera lens, John, I mean, it's, I forget you were, you, I think you had a measurement of one of his home runs. It was just absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the first day when he, after the trade, I had looked through some of my photos. He, I think he debuted with the Cubs at, at Oakland on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Cubs would always play Oakland and they, they switch home and away, home and away. And so he's up there. He's all decked out in his gold. He's got the gold elbow guards. But his debut, he had such personality right off the bat. I know this isn't about his physical talent, but man, he made a sliding catch um, in his first game. And then he slipped, but he got up to pick up and throw the ball. And then he slipped while he was throwing it. And you could hear both benches laughing. Like, like it, was, it was kind of funny. But then he gets up there and he does these wiggles. He'll get a pitch and he'll squat all the way down to the ground or he'll fall over sometimes. It's just like, um, 
<laughs> so he's he's somebody somebody I saw right off the bat as having a ton of personality, but a ton of talent. And one thing, like I got all four of his home runs on video, and you can see that he for a guy that's so long limbed, he can attack inside pitches, and he keeps his elbow really tucked, and then extends his arms, and his home runs are towering. I mean, they're not when he hits a laser, it goes out fast. He's got great exit velocity, um, and most people don't know he's probably up there with, as one of the fastest guys in the organization because he's got such a long stride. Yeah. The Jaguar, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I got, I got to ask you guys, cause you guys, like I said, you know, you see these guys, how shocked were you when you saw the season that Matt Mervis put up rich, when you were looking at that, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I always come up to you guys when I'm in spring training, who's that, who should I be looking at? Like, I'm always like, like I said, you guys are my eyes and ears out there along with a lot of us. Did rich, did you have any idea that Mervis was going to put up that season that he did? No, I wish I could say I did. Um, I remember meeting him because, um, yeah, he, he came out in, in 2020. And so they had like fall instructs because of the no minor league season. And he was undrafted because they only five rounds. And lots of people like to focus on, well, he, he wasn't a draft pick. He would have been a draft pick in a normal year. Um, but I remember meeting him, just really nice kid and just, you know, working hard at first base, watching him. And, and he, had, he had some shots, but, you know, it didn't jump out at you. And then, you know, kind of followed him and, and watched. And, but yeah, the numbers he just put up this year was amazing. And just, and he continued to do it, continued to drop his strikeouts, continued to hit the home runs with each level he rose. Um, just couldn't be happier for the guys. Like I say, another great guy. I got to, you know, see him and watch him in the fall league as well. And just, you know, how he made adjustments, you know, throughout the year. Um, some scouts, uh, you know, didn't rank, still don't rank him very high. I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder in a good way. And it's like, you know, doubt me. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All righty. Let, let, we're going to, we're going to dive in here really quick to some of the, some of the storylines on the big team. We talked the prospects. Now let's, let's talk about the majors a little bit here. Uh, John, I think you're the one that took this picture right here of Seiya Suzuki. Every player, you know, you always hear the famous quote, I'm in the best shape of my life. <laughs> I will tell you, Holy cow, Seiya Suzuki looks jacked. I mean, when you saw him that first time coming out there, I mean, it's noticeable, yeah? You, you know, I he's he's looking a little bigger, but I don't remember him. I only saw him at spring training last year, but everybody else seemed to notice that that's one that got by me. Um, but everybody's commenting on how thick he is, and uh, I don't and remember you, what he looked like last year. You took pictures of him pitching off the mound, is that right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys do that. Javi used to do that. He'd just go up and start pitching. I have uh, Adon Sanchez. I saw him go up on the mound and start throwing. And I was I was happy that I went over there because he just kind of walked out and he started doing it. And it was it was pretty cool because when he's in the outfield and you're locked out of the place, you know, it's hard to get my camera. My lens doesn't, you know, get have the, the zoom power to get. So when the guy's way out there, I don't even I don't even post the photo. So when he's pitching off there, but he looked good. He had some good form too. He was throwing curveballs and he was, you know, throwing fastballs and he's got a decent curve actually. Okay. Well, maybe we got a two-way player on our hands here. Let's, let's just say now, now Rich, you were somebody that got some of the first pictures of Nick, the stick, Nikki two strikes magical <laughs> at third base. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot of questions because, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you pick up Dansby Swanson. Nico clearly moves over to second. 
you you have a lot of depth in that infield position, and the question is, where, where what do you do with magical? And and the question would be, is his arm strong enough to, to to make that throw from third to first? I mean, and so what have you seen when you've watched um, Nick working out at third base? Um, actually, the arm ha- I I've been pleasantly surprised. I think the arms look pretty good. Um, you know, he's still. Like he was taking ground balls yesterday. Him and Patrick Wisdom were alternating at third base. And, you know, Wisdom has a very good arm. And, you know, you see that. Matthews wasn't bad. You, I wouldn't compare the two, but, you know, I mean, people have made jokes about, oh, he's going to need a cutoff, man, you know, at the pitcher's mouth. <laughs> Sorry. He, the guy's a pro athlete. Yeah. He, you know, I think he's been working all winter. And, you know, it, it probably is never going to rank out as, you know, one of the strongest arms of anybody or compared, like, to somebody like Javi. But I think he can. I think he can do it. Um, you know, he, he's looked. He's looked pretty smooth. Um, he's working hard. I, I got to give the guy credit for you know being willing to do whatever he needs to do to make the team. And and, and as I mentioned, John, um, you're looking here at a picture that you took today of Nico and uh, Dansby Swanson working that middle infield. I mean, from the moment that Dansby's gotten here, he's. Ta- I remember that press conference. He talked. I want David Ross to give me in as many game reps with Nico. When Nico's in, I want to be in just talking about that. You took, I think, a series of four different pictures of them on the field, off the field. What are you seeing from, from your, your perspective? Well, full disclosure, that was after the workout. I saw them walking out to the field, but then I'm like, I thought they were going to actually take round balls, but it was a marquee network promo. And so they were setting it up. And I think they were just going through the motions. The team photographer was there. I can't go onto that half field like that. I have to stay on the, the sidewalk area. So I, I got that photo old school, like lockout style. I went around the back and went through the opening that was there. And I, and it's hard to focus your camera through there. Just I had even better shots that didn't come out focused. So I'm glad that was one of the few that did. But I was actually outside the facility, just where the fans would enter. Um, and that's how I got that one. But they weren't they weren't working out. They were just doing a promo for uh, Marquee. Well, man, they look good doing just that. If that's how they look just on the promo, I can't wait to see the real thing. Now, now, uh, Rich, I, I was loving this uh, conversation. We were talking about uh, Kevin Alcantara the other day, and, and you wrote, I, I got your tweet up. It's fun to watch Cubs outfielder Kevin Alcantara take BP and hit absolute bombs. And I agree, Luke Stuckmeyer, that it's only BP. But when coaches and other players stop and watch it fly, it's impressive. And so, you know, this takes me back uh, to when, so when the Cubs really were bad, when Theo came and tore everything down and they were rebuilding, they used to do like this thing after, after the season was over for season ticket holders. And it would be Theo and Crane and then the two of them together at the end taking questions. And Theo would sit there and say, we have these young kids, and this is Jorge Soler, this is Glabar Torres, Javi Baez, uh, Kyle Schwarber, all these guys, he says, they're coming. And he would play these videos and you would hear the sound off the bat was different than what you normally heard. And so, you know, as you guys have become so accustomed to being around there, like you said, people, these guys, they, they've been around BP of their whole lives. Normally they're not going to just stop and watch. So if they are doing that, that indicates something special. Would you agree with me, Rich? Oh, totally. Um, well, you say yeah, that, that particular day, he just hit one mammoth shot. And like I say, everybody just kind of like stopped, even everybody who was, you know, on the infield stopped and turned and watched and same thing with the coaches. And of course, and then they went back to business, but you could tell, 
you could tell when he hit that one, it was good. And like I say, it's batting practice. So it's not like somebody's throwing him a slider, you know, on the edge or a curveball or something like that. But it's still impressive to hit one that far. Right. And and John, you had you were saying the other day that one of the big uh, Cody Bellinger in center field is going to be someone that everyone looks back. Everyone's expecting a bounce back year. And you saw him the other day. And again, only BP, but you said hitting home runs uh, through the wind even. You know what I mean? That's got to be an encouraging sign. Yeah, he's got a great swing. He's a, a great low ball hitter. I notice a lot of the ones that come in down and in, he just puts a charge into them. But, you know, I actually um, I saw Patrick Wisdom hit some yesterday that were just monster shots. He's got a ton of power. I think this lineup could be pretty good, you know. Um, yeah, Bellinger was he's hit a ton. I mean, these guys are at, at I think at that point where they'll be hitting about 10 or 15 out at BP each guy, you know. Um, and I'm talking in a still wind, you know, they, they've been out here long enough. They're in shape, you know, when the first few days, they don't want to swing too hard. They don't want to get, a, you know, hurt themselves, but they, they're, they're very patient in terms of how they warm up. They know it's a long season. They know spring training can be long. They don't need to get into everything so fast. And they're at that point where these guys, they're well-oiled and, and ready to go. The guys that have been here early. Well, what would you tell Rich um, as far as somebody that's coming out to spring training the first time? What would you say it would be kind of your tips as someone that has been through your fair share of spring trainings? Um, I think just enjoy the experience. Um, you know, don't don't set your expectations so high. Where I know sometimes people come out, I want to get Seiya Suzuki's autograph, and you know it's great to have that as a goal, but don't let it you know consume you. Um, go to the backfields. Um, yeah, get to, get to see some of the kids. Um, it's fun. A lot of times you, you end up, you start talking to people. I mean, the way baseball fans do. And a lot of times you, it turns out the person you're talking to is somebody's, you know, mom and dad. I mean, I remember like Wilson Cunningham, who's, uh, he's going to school at, is it UIC? He's going to school in Chicago. I know that. Um, but like during spring break and during the summers, he's playing for the Cubs. Um, I was watching him and all of a sudden I got talking to this guy, turned out to be his dad. And, you know, just a fun conversation. You meet a lot of really cool people uh, at spring training. That's how we met, right? <laughs> right. John, what would you say? What would be your tips for anyone coming out to the desert? Well, I was going to say the backfields. That's that's where I, I, that was my bread and butter for the longest time. Um, I have sometimes more fun going to the backfield games than the major league games. And so that that would be the best thing. And most people don't realize that, like when I first started coming out, I would go come out an hour early to the game thinking they're already done working out and you're just waiting for an hour. If you come out at nine in the morning and experience it, you sometimes have more fun watching them work out or just as much fun as the game itself. So you really have to make a day out of it, not just come to the game and then leave the game. Right. And like I said, you know, and you guys are always the most friendly guys and you're talking to everybody and everybody respects what you do. I respect, you know, like I said, being here stuck in, in the Chicagoland area. I don't, you know, I live vicariously through you guys and I just count down the days till I get to Arizona. So I appreciate you guys jumping on the podcast. I appreciate all the work that you guys do. It's absolutely tremendous. And I look forward to seeing you when I come to air uh, to Arizona, March 7th, March 8th. So I'll nice. see you guys in a little bit, huh? Love Sounds it. Sounds great. All right, guys. Take care and good talking to you. Right on, Carl.